Hi, welcome. You're listening to What Cries Out. I'm Cassandra, the daughter. And I'm Diane, the mom. We want to thank you guys for joining us as usual. And I guess this last week, we've noticed three major cases that we've been keeping our eye on. Yes, there seems to be a lot of stuff happening in the month of November. So there's three cases, the Club Q mass shooting. Let's discuss that one first. Yeah, so that one is a Colorado Springs local case. I heard about that early Sunday morning because it happened late Saturday night. And so I didn't get the chance to really give a response on that. But I did put a live reaction video on Instagram, Mm -hmm. What Cries Out. And it was just heartbreaking. It was. Colorado Springs is located about 100 miles south of Denver. And this took place at a LGBTQ nightclub called Club Q. And it happened about November 19th to the 20th because it happened right before midnight. Yeah. So what were the casualties? Well, there were reported five dead and 25 injured. And the dead victims are Daniel Aston, Derek Rump, Ashley Powell, Kelly Loving, and Raymond Green Vance. And the shooter was 22-year-old Anderson Lee Aldrich. And his motive is unknown why he went in there and decided to shoot up this nightclub, but it is deemed a possible hate crime. Yeah, I think with our one case, the motives of mass killers, we are leaning towards one of the possible motivations could be a religious or race, sexual orientation-based hate crime. Right. And so we t- we actually discussed this, that when it comes to motivations of mass shooters, it can get really blurry between what makes a hate crime mm-hmm. and what makes a motive for a mass shooting. That actually stuck out to me that they're labeling it as a hate crime when those things are just complicated in their own. So Anderson Lee Aldrich, and we're just going to call him the shooter, um, the shooter entered the Club Q nightclub with body armor and a long gun, which is kind of like an AR-15 style rifle. They didn't say exactly what kind. And he started shooting at people. The shooter was tackled by an army veteran by the name of Richard M. Fierro, who started beating on him. <laughs> I'm sorry. When I read that, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it was a huge tragedy that so many people died. But I am loving the report of people getting pounced on. And, like, people are taking no shit for this. I'm sorry. There was another patron that started to subdue the shooter. Kick, and his name his is Yeah. <laughs> and his name was Thomas James. But then there was also a trans woman, and I did not get her name. Yeah. And she actually took her heels and started beating on his face, just started stomping on his face. And so when you look at the picture of the shooter, he is all busted up and i, I think he, he was in the hospital even oh yeah i think you and i were discussing that right before we recorded that this guy as he was being escorted out he wasn't so much being escorted but carried <laughs> he looked like a he looked like a rag doll he did he was not able to stand yeah yeah so well, i'm good sure for, he's suffering from a concussion well good for those people they i think they stopped a lot more deaths and that, injuries from happening that out, night it stood out to me that these people rallied and protected each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes a lot of sacrifice and care for the others, most of them strangers who you don't know, and to just put your own life on the line. Right. You know, it was just had to acknowledge that. And what is it about Colorado? Um, we seem to get like the these mass shootings. I don't get it. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to 
understand or try to find like a connection here? I know it's strange because we have red flag laws here, but they don't necessarily help. And I think we're talking about a really layered issue here. It's a combination of our mental health here in Colorado, and we have a reputation. I'm wondering if there's like some socioeconomics. Um, I know drugs. I mean, I don't know. It's complicated. It's something that we want to delve into a little bit more deeper when we have the time. I don't think anybody knows. I mean, we tried our really long episode, The Motives of Mass Killers. We tried to discuss this and unpack this as best as we could. And the answers are really actually deep and difficult to unravel. Mm -hmm. I do think it has a major thing to do with young men. We are again seeing a 22-year-old commit this crime. I think that is where it goes back to something dark with the mental health issues here. Or how about the internet, um, those chat rooms? I'm wondering if... You mean the incel movement, that kind of thing? Kind of like that incel type, yeah. Because we're kind of doing a little bit of a rabbit hole. We may upload this separately Mm -hmm. as its own little update. But we were talking a bit about how there tends to be a trend of young men. And if you don't know this, follow and read up a little bit on the incel movement. It's kind of relates a bit to men's sexuality and kind of their roles. Really, it's kind of a rabbit hole, but you will kind of pick up on some of the frustrations that they go through to do this. They are suicidal, but it's like an an explosive outward suicide attempt that takes down people with them. I could go down a rabbit hole and talk about my conspiracy theory. It's like just some... do it. We may update this on our own. Just, just it could be like some psyop thing, you know, like the the CIA is going into like chat rooms and stuff, and kind of like the Manchurian candidate. You know, you say a phrase, and then all of a sudden somebody just kind of goes bonk, you know, and goes mm-hmm. bonkers. And okay, you're crazy. Yeah, okay, <laughs> just okay. Uh, no, I think know. of I think of I think of. <clears throat> What was it? Prince Eric when Ursula is singing and that voice gets unleashed and it sucks the little voice from his eyes. Something like that. Yeah. And then it and he's like, Ariel, there you are. Maybe it's kind of like that. (laughs) Maybe. Because everybody's going to think we're nuts. No. Okay. These conversations, it takes vulnerability to have people think we're crazy. Okay. That's true, too. That's true. And I don't believe it. You're crazy. I'm just the one who's just entertaining it. Well, let's talk about another shooting. Yeah. Uh, There's another mass shooting. This, This is more workplace related mass shooting. That happened on November 22nd. Yeah, so it was a Tuesday, and it was six people who were killed at a Walmart in Chesapeake, Virginia. And the victims are Lorenzo Gamble, Brian Pendleton, Kelly Pyle, Randall Blevins, and Tynika Johnson. The sixth victim was just named literally right before we wrote this down, and his name is Fernando Chavez Barron. He was initially not stated because he was a minor but they did release all the names at a vigil. And wasn't he like 16 years old? He was 16. And there were also six others who were injured, but they seemed to be fine. And the shooter is 31-year-old Andre Bing. And he was an overnight team leader who worked at Walmart since 2010. So he had, he worked there a long time. Yeah. And he was basically the manager? Of the night crew. Of the night crew, yes. Yeah. And I guess the shooting started at around 
shortly after 10 p.m., and that's when the first 911 call came in. From what we read, he entered a break room and just started shooting. Yeah. And the shooter did take his own life. We, you know, we talked a bit about motivations, and I say that in quotes because motivations are blurred. It can involve multiple or unclear, but his motivation sounds like it's a workplace grievance just because he was an actual employee. We don't believe it was racially motivated because he himself was black, and then three of the victims were also black, and then there were three who were, I believe, white and Hispanic, I mm. believe. So it doesn't sound like it's racially motivated. And we don't know what even the motive is yeah. or why he did this. We just right now can say most likely it's workplace grievance, but it can be layered with other motivations. Right. And so finally, let's talk about the Idaho college student murders. Okay. So this case, we are watching very closely because we definitely are going to do it. It is so bizarre and it has so many already initially, it has a lot of layers, but I really like it when police keep things really tight wrapped. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's my favorite, favorite part of watching investigators do their job well. And you know, they know a lot more. Yeah. And they're just, they put the pressure and that media, you know, trying to get and squeeze out as much information as possible, but they really stay professional. So Mm -hmm. just kudos on the investigators maintaining that. They did it with Delphi. Delphi's on the, is going to be solved, most likely. Mm -hmm. So just so many amazing, great tactics there. So where did this happen? Well, it's Moscow, Idaho, and it was at a tri-level house, which is important to think of, the second and third level floors. Yes, and it took place on November 13th between about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., I think is what investigators are saying. There were four dead by stabbing. And the victims' names are Madison Mogan, Kaylee Gonclaves, Zaina Carnaudel, and Ethan Chapin. Yes, and they're all very young. They're like maybe the oldest 21 years old. Yeah. And they were University of Idaho roommates. Yeah, and to note, there were three females and one male. Mm-hmm. who were among the deceased. Right. So the motive is unknown, um, although the police do believe that this was a targeted attack and they weren't specific on who was targeted. Yeah, the targeted was very ambiguous because they weren't sure if it was maybe they went after the male or maybe they went after the females. Maybe it was a specific individual, but there was nothing confirmed in that. It's a really mm-hmm. ambiguous statement. Just by saying that you could see methods of overkill on a specific individual, more time spent on an individual or individuals, it can just, it's really open-ended there. I guess what happened was all the victims were out earlier that evening. It was late Saturday night and they didn't return home until the wee hours of Sunday morning, like one o'clock in the morning. And I think a lot of them were home by 1.30 in the morning. The three University of Idaho victims did live in the house, but one was only a visitor, the male. Yeah, and he was because the boyfriend. He's, he's the boyfriend of one of the victims who he became a victim to. Police believe that they were attacked while sleeping in bed, although there was some, they did find some defensive wounds on the victims. Yeah, there was evidence of defensive wounds. They did not state exactly how, but there were also. Well, the the the, um, the boyfriend and the female victim, they shared a room, 
They were sharing a room. Yeah, they were so, sharing a bed. Yeah, a bed. So they got attacked while mm-hmm. they both were in the same same bed. Yeah, and then just to kind of acknowledge this too is that there was no it wasn't they didn't receive the 911 call until roughly about 11 a.m. the next day. Mm-hmm. And so the victims there was a, two surviving individuals who were not attacked whatsoever. Right, to the and, point, they, and they occupied the basement yeah, floor. and they didn't hear anything. Mm-hmm. They actually roused, and I believe only, I think they only went to one room and couldn't get them woken up. And yeah. they supposedly did not see the wounds of them. Like, the brain maybe blocked it out, or they well, couldn't put two and two together. This is where it gets a little vague, okay, because they won't share the 911 call, obviously, okay. But I think... They weren't really clear on the roommate, like, did you go up? Did the roommate go up to the victim? Or was it through a door that, you know, they couldn't get somebody to respond? Was there a knock? Yeah. Just somebody wasn't waking up. Or I don't know if they found, like, somebody broke in. I mean, being... It wasn't like they went through and checked everybody in the house. Mm-hmm. It really was them calling 911 for those specific two people. But again, this is a very early case, and things get really blurred pretty early on. We will do this case, I think, in probably, what, another three months? Yeah, yeah. I think when more information comes out. Yeah. There was video surveillance of two of the victims earlier in the evening at a food truck. Yeah. And that was Madison and Kaylee. Okay. Okay, the two girls. Another thing, too, the two roommates that were not attacked are not suspects. Yeah, they're not suspects. They've been cleared. And just to kind of throw out this, too, I did see two things that bothered me. And one was there was an ex-boyfriend who was being attacked online. Okay. Oh, was he, was he? He was being attacked by people who think he did it. Oh. Okay. Oh. And just to acknowledge that that is... A very cruel thing to do, you know, let the investigators do their job. Don't attack others, okay? Don't. That really was poor for me. And then the other one was there was an onlooker by the food truck who was also being blamed and being brought as a suspect. And people are like investigating him like he's a suspect when the police have already cleared him. Let the police do their job. <laughs> yes. Seriously. You know, it reminds me of that documentary. It's called Don't F with Cats. Yes. Okay. I hate that. I watched it. But and it it, me. I mean, it caused the suicide of one guy who yeah. was totally innocent. I mean, he. if you haven't watched that documentary, it's a very good documentary. Anyways, let the police do their job. Yes. Seriously. We're not detectives. We haven't gone to detective school, you know. <laughs> Is there a detective, detective school? <laughs> or police training, you, you know. Yeah. Um, none of that. So let them do their job. They know what they're doing. Yes. I do agree that talking about this case and keeping these lives at the forefront mm-hmm. and not letting a case lose momentum, talk about it. You know, mourn with these people. But give the family space. Don't sit here going after people who are also privately dealing with it. Right. And then there was also a driver who brought home Kaylee and Madison, and he's been cleared as a suspect. So the food, the guy at the food truck, he's not a suspect. The guy who drove these two young women home are not suspects. And neither is what the, the two roommates don't know about the ex-boyfriend. We don't know. Yeah. The cops are not saying anything because they are investigating it. Exactly. And then there's also rumors that one of the girls had a stalker. But it's not confirmed. It's not confirmed. It's not, we, yes. My mom and I, typically, we like to fact check everything, you know, information. And that's just on the internet. It's not actually confirmed. 
it's, it's so, not even um, something that the family stated or anything. And, and it's like you said, police are not releasing a lot of details because it's under investigation. Yeah, exactly. And we will cover this case yeah. when more information comes out. Yeah, so just keep an eye out for that episode. We will give updates as usual on our Instagram and give teasers for cases that we're researching. In the meantime, we really hope that you guys stay safe and we're going to head on to record our next episode. So yes, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.